to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So let's be real. A lot of these people in this movement, they wouldn't even sit down and have a cup of tea with an Aboriginal person. You know, these people wouldn't sit in a, in a podcast or even um, say hello, you know, to an Indigenous person. And again, that shows that real separation from us to the rest of this country. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. AJ is a proud Indigenous woman. She's an educator and content creator and has been on the show before for Invasion Day. I have invited her back. Seeing as we're here again, the date hasn't changed... We have so much to discuss. I uh, wanted to discuss if there's been any progress since last year, the BLM movement, the Black Tiles. We talk about some heavy stuff, children that are still being taken from their families, um, deaths in custody, but it's fascinating. So I hope you enjoy it. AJ is back in the building. Actually, we're not in the same building because COVID. You all may have heard AJ on our Invasion Day episode this time last year. Welcome back, AJ. Thank you. Content creator and educator of all things Indigenous. Uh, God, everything, really. Like you have created education quite literally for people to do courses on the history of Australia, on the history of everything that we need to be dismantled, correct? Exactly, exactly right. There's a whole lot of content creation and, like you said, education out there. Um, And if you do want to go into a really deep dive, we will link all of this in the show notes. But, AJ, first up, we are here again. It is Invasion Day again. Mm -hmm. Not as much progress has been made as probably hoped within the year. We are still or... Australia is celebrating the date. How does that land? Well, again, I just want to thank you for even having me back. And and as you know, I'm such a fan of your work. And I think having me back on your show, again, really speaks to that element of retention and the fact that you as an ally are genuinely con- um, contributing and really um, sharing with your audience that, you know, the contentious nature of this of this day. So I, I want to thank you. And I guess where I'm at a whole 12 months later, you know, with recognition of the pandemic, it's it's gone really fast. But as we were yarning about earlier, we're looking at 
about 500 black deaths in custody as of 2022. Mm. And we only know that this number is going to continue to rise. And I think um, this day, Australia Day, is so inherently connected to um, the issues of of our black deaths and, and again, what we navigate in in our everyday lives. Can we, because it's hard for people to actually understand, because when we say 500 deaths in custody, right, that feels so far removed. Like we're talking people that are incarcerated mm-hmm. are being murdered. Exactly. This is an injustice. This is happening. It's not happening once or twice a year as an accident or you know, a mishap. This is 500 people dying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not one of those cases have been uh, any of the counterparts were proven guilty. If it's police, if it's prison guards, if it's medical staff with, with Indigenous people within these prisons, not one of them have been found guilty. And again, that statistically is just impossible. And that has to call or that has to be a real call to action for for us as Australians, because the, getting to this number uh, in the 21st century is horrific and horrendous. But then again, in saying the fact that not one person has been held responsible for these deaths and continue to go to work exactly so yeah it's just another day in 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 the job for them if that makes sense and again it just speaks to the devaluing of black lives and again how we're just completely um we have no weight and we have no worth we're we're dispensable and when you bring that up and we had the huge black lives matter movement and the black tiles and everyone was really passionate about it and we could see even you know within branding and advertisements there were more which is excellent more people of color everywhere like it was just not as much i think as not as densely as we need but all and sometimes tokenistic um everyone was very angry at that time and everyone was feeling very passionate and motivated and moved what's gone on between now and then and i think what you've just captured again zoe is exactly what a lot of australians are feeling like What's going on? What's happened? Why has this um, these efforts or this plight sizzled down? And you are somebody that is, you know, continuously connected um, again to my work or, or sharing or amplifying or, or with your audience what you're doing right now. But there have been countless Australians which have fallen off the map in regards to Indigenous issues. You know, um, there's very similar sentiments around the rights of refugees within Australia, um, mm. you know, our white ribbon for domestic violence. These days and these uh, moments just become trivialised and that is mm. a result of, uh, you know, social media, instant gratification, but also importantly, um, trends. You know, what is a trend? And I think... That's what a lot of people have recognised with these Black Lives Matter movement because, so let's be real, a lot of these people in this movement, they wouldn't even sit down and have a cup of tea with an Aboriginal person. You know, these people wouldn't sit in a a podcast or even um, say hello, you know, to an Indigenous person. And, again, that shows that real separation 
from us to the rest of this country. I'd also like to acknowledge here, this isn't just the white issue. With a lot of the work that I've been contributing over the last 12 months is other people of colour in this country, you need to carry your weight. You aren't exempt from this. This isn't just, you know, people with uh, Anglo or, or Celtic background and, again, a, a long-stemming connection to Australia compared to others. You are just as responsible um, to stand with us in solidarity and, and be a part of this call to action as everybody else. The cycle continues, right? And I think that we as a society, especially white Australia, Mm. have been so ignorant and and blissfully ignorant Mm. into what suits us, right? Like we don't want to look at the refugee crisis. We don't want to look at deaths in custody. We don't want to look at any kind of Indigenous issues. And then COVID comes along, right, and they start to feel, oh, the government and white Australia don't actually know what they're doing. And what else is actually, like, but it oh, it's such a selfish thing, right? Like until it impacts me, like I can be an ally when it suits me, but I don't really want to be an ally when Uncle John is talking shit or making yeah. <laughs> Indigenous jokes, you know, or, or putting people down or whatever. Like that's too much. It's Christmas. Let's just let that one go. But when it impacts us, when we're like, oh, the government actually doesn't know what's going on with the COVID crisis. Oh, no one actually, oh, oh I can't feed my family this week. Oh, that actually feels like what... Indigenous people must feel like when their rights aren't being listened to and oh like you know like no exactly. one gives a shit until no. they are faced with some kind of adversity that goes oh wow these people have really suffered that's really shitty it's so and I love that you've drawn that again Zoe and it just speaks to your allyship because is the correlations between, you know, what we saw earlier in the year with these extremist groups comparing, you know, uh, COVID regulations to segregation you know it's it's horrific to even have to for me to say but the reality is that Australians really believe this Australians are really pushing this narrative of of their lack of rights but then again with no recognition of what it's been like for us for the last 200 and something years if that makes Mm -hmm. sense Mm-hmm. And again, you know, if we're looking at the basic cards within Northern Territory where Indigenous people have these cards and they can only purchase certain amounts of groceries, or if we're to- looking at, you know, um, travel restrictions on various communities for various reasons, this is what we deal with with this government. People don't even understand that that exists because it's so inhumane. We are here doing what we want, going where we want, buying what we want, everything is accessible, and we don't believe that in our country limitations are on anybody. That's it, 100%. We all think we have the same rules. That's it. And then again, Zoe, the other thing I'd want to add to this is we got legislative um, discrimination. So, you know, within, uh, you know, uh, schools that have large Indigenous populations, again, in a lot of rural and remote communities or even in far western New South Wales, they're getting um, limited, you know, funding provided to them. People don't want to put money into tapes that are in areas that have predominant Indigenous um, numbers of people. But the other thing, Zoe, is 
I can't even um, get a, a rental in specific areas. So if a suburb does not want Indigenous people or, you know, they may look at my last name, I have a well-known uh, Indigenous last name being Johnson, you know, but you've got various different families in this country. We are still unable to access these privileges that other Australians are. And my last name or my skin colour or my parents or maybe even my um, pronunciation in that moment within a medical field without a, without a doctor's, um, or even again a rental, I'm not able to access these resources. And again, with that cross comparison of this pandemic, look what we deal with every day. It feels, and this is my privilege, it feels unbelievable that that is happening to you. Mm. An educated mother, young mother, Thank you. who is in our community, giving back to the community doing a whole lot more than a lot of other people, you are still being discriminated against. Like when I, I we've had Terang on the show oh, wow. and we love Terang and you have to listen to his episode if you haven't, but yeah. he's still getting discrimination. And I'm thinking who would, who would <laughs> actually yell out of a window something racist at someone walking past? These races, they're the same very people that preach hatred towards the LGBTQI plus community or the mm -hmm. queer community. You know, they're the same people that think women shouldn't be, you know, in specific um, professions, you know, or men shouldn't be in um, specific. Oh, you're a male nurse. Like these are these same people that kind of share this really toxic and damage, uh, damaging mm -hmm. rhetoric. I feel sad, you know, seriously sad that you still have an experience like that, that there is still deaths in, cu in custody I, and that there are still children mm. being taken. And, and this is something I want to touch on with you because, look, <sighs> fuck, I don't even know how to say this. I don't need, but I'm going to say it because I know people are going to think it, so I'm going to say it because I've got to be, I've got to be the judgmental person listening, right? So so the children being taken, the first thing, because I've just brought it up with somebody because I wanted to hear a point of view. Mm. She said, yes, it's wrong. The system is broken. But, right, here it comes. Mm. They're being taken because it's not safe. Mm. They're being removed because it's not safe. And the government says that foster parents that aren't Indigenous can't take Indigenous children. I don't actually know if that's true or not. Um, this is what she said to me. She said, so what do we do? Do we allow children that are in an environment that is unsafe mm. to stay with their family? Mm -hmm. Can you break this down, this way of thinking? So just briefly, so Indigenous children are 37% of the total of home care, although are only 6% of the total population. Shit. Now, Wade Zoe, I'm telling you, this is uh, anyone that shares those similar sentiments, get ready for these facts. So 81% of Indigenous children are on long-term guardianship orders, meaning they are in state care until they are 18, disconnected from culture, 
uh, family and community. Now, Indigenous children are seven times more likely to be removed than non-Indigenous children. So what that means is I could have the same concerns as a white person or a person of colour that is not Indigenous, but because I am Aboriginal, they are seven times more likely to remove Emily, my daughter, from my care. So Karen, Jessica, Fatima, Maria, everyone else, Lose, they get to keep their children. My daughter is going. And that is racism. Oh, fuck. My whole body has goosebumps. Me too. My daughter has allergic reactions to certain soaps. We like to use, um, you know, natural stuff in the house. She has real sensitive skin. She gets a bit of eczema, seasonal eczema. Take her to see a, a doctor specialist for asthma. Doctor staring at the rash around her wrist. What's that? It's not rubella. It's not mumps. It's not neglect. She's not hurt. She's not damaged. But that little tiny rash, shall we? I left that doctor's office knowing that that doctor would have made a notification or wanted to because of the racial discrimination around what we what we see in this country uh medical staff are more likely to put notifications in on our children we're more likely to be monitored for concerns of child abuse than our non-indigenous counterparts so it's exactly the same rhetoric that we're seeing in the crime space where we're over policed we're over surveilled so as a result, we're going to have higher statistics of crime because we're being racially persecuted. Fuck, that's so mind-blowing. Of course, of course, if everyone is being alerted, any kind of authority is being alerted to watch mm-hmm. for anything, mm-hmm. of course the statistics are going to be higher. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But Zoe, you ready for another mind-blowing fact? And it makes me want to be physically ill. Guess what the largest growing prison population is in Australia? Aboriginal women. We're the largest growing prison population. We are getting locked up for uh, legislations around unpaid fines. We're no. getting legislations around driving. No. We're getting locked up in domestic violence situations. And all the statistics I've just stated, they're readily available. You can find them on, um, you know, Department of Health or, you know, you can look into incarceration rates. Um, their statistics around Indigenous children being likely to be removed are, in fact, from facts, you know, so that's from our own government recognising this prejudice, but in saying that they do nothing about it. So yeah, I'm not putting yeah, yeah. these random mm. facts off. This is um, quantitative stuff. This has been qualified. This is... Legit. This is not a. You can a, look this up yourself. Anyone that's like, yeah, yeah, okay, 
But for the people that are like, okay, okay, so maybe, (laughs) even though you've given us the fact, maybe there's a high percentage of racism. Yes, there is. What about those kids that need to be safe, that need to be removed for safety? Like white kids are needed to be removed for safety. Yep. What, What do you say to that? Because... Yeah, of course there's a percentage. Of course there's a percentage in any culture that has neglect and abuse. That's it. You're not saying that doesn't exist. You're saying that there's a disproportionate amount of children being taken to what actually is going on. So there are mothers like you. That's right. Who are capable, loving securely attached to their children mm-hmm. that for some some reasons, mm. however many strikes it is, I don't know what it is when you're looking at doctors or, or police or whatever, can be taken. That's it. I cannot imagine in my life somebody turning up to my door mm. and removing my child. The injustice on top of all of that is who even knows how to fight a system that's against you? How do you get legal aid? How do you get support? How do you fight? A hundred percent. And I love that you said that. And I think another thing I wanted to talk about was this notion of duty of care. And this is something I hope I'm going to be able to engage more with my own audience. So what we need to understand is within the system of uh, safety or or, um, Indigenous issues in any capacity relating to our children, we're measured by a Eurocentric system. So white people are telling me what makes a good mother. White people are telling me what love and care looks like. White people are telling me what a home or a house should look Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. We're going to recognise poverty in that, so we're going to add that in there. So Indigenous people and our communities are largely, again, like I was talking about, underfunded but are entrenched in poverty. Housing uh, is a real issue. But let's talk about access to education. So we all know Indigenous people are not getting the same education as our non-Indigenous counterparts, again, due to the racial discrimination. So what do you think is going to happen to our families? You're going to have families that are uh, often um, impoverished communities and they're going to have limited access to education. And what that's going to embody is a different way of life. What that's going to embody is a different form of family structure than what these white societies are promoting. Mm -hmm. But that is also the notion of culture so for us as indigenous people our communities all around this nation and many were can't speak on behalf of all but we are not a materialistic society we did not wear signifiers of wealth Uh, we didn't have elements like bounty we didn't have elements of, of that of that nature we were like harmonious with the environment we truly believe in equality and most importantly, this notion of kingship. So that is really a conflict between cultures, and that's a real issue as well is in the 21st century we're still having white people tell us what we should look like. You should have the white house with the picket fence, you know. I'll give you an example, and I feel quite proud to talk about this because this is where I I grew up as a baby and as a child. So you see a fold-up mattress, right, so a mattress that you lay on the floor. For us Indigenous communities, that mattress is is a swag that mattress can come to your auntie's house that mattress can come out bush if you're hot in your room you know a lot of people black white anything in between you drag that mattress into your lounge room and you you can lay there and yarn all night and talk to your mum or your nana these these things a a white person might look walking that's why is your mattress on the floor where is the bedding when in fact it's 45 degrees 
or they're going to roll that mattress up and they're headed to their cousins, you know, for a little movie night. So these cultural signifiers, what mean to us, what are connected inherently to our history and our culture, will be used and penalised against us. There's so much I want to say on this. So one of the episodes, I think it's season two, the child of the stolen generation. We spoke to Cleone, who is an incredible Indigenous elder, and she was telling us the same thing, right? Like back in those days, because she was taken, stolen. That's like they all slept in one bed, right? Her mum and her dad and her brothers, and they all slept together. And when she was taken and they're trying to whitewash these children, you know, they're trying to take all of this culture out of them. But who says that the white way is the way, the white person, right? That's it. So your way of doing things, and it's very similar to the Maori culture, right? Like, yeah. and, I, and that's what's so interesting about this Australian versus New Zealand thing too, right? Because the white New Zealand people embrace more so, there's still racism, but the Maori culture, the idea of this, yes, definitely very different to me when I look at my husband's family and, you know, they're in the marae and there's, there's 15 mattresses and they all sleep together and the, very different for me, yeah, but that's his way when they bring a dead body home mm. and the, the just such beautiful cultural customs that I don't have that I would love to be a part of, and I am now, obviously, but what we're missing out hundred percent we're here on your land and we're not even getting the good stuff because we're not listening we don't get to learn and to be at one with what you have to teach that's like it. that's such a shame imagine if in our schools we were teaching the kids to love the earth like like the indigenous children love the earth and, and just like what you're doing is like reimagining our future, Zoe, you know, and you've just given birth to this beautiful little girl. What is the world going to look like for her? You oh, know, man, she, that's just, that's, it's just, oh, fuck, you know. And, and a young Māori woman, she's going to be a woman one day or she's going to be a girl mm-hmm. and she's going to have her mum and she's going to have her dad. What is life going to look like for these children? And we mm. as a, Australians have to start reimagining because simply where it is right now is just not good enough. And, Zoe, I'd like to add, you know, one of your children may have darker skin than the other. Well, she does. Yeah, she does. And she looks, she's looking Maori, you know. Her features are very much her father. What is her experience going to be like, Zoe, in this country that simply will judge her off her physical appearance? Mm-hmm. This is something that's really interesting and this is why my experience isn't going to be as rich and I don't want to take anything away from my husband, but my experience with being with a Maori man, something has been dismantled, right, and that is fame. Fame has come and attached itself to him, whereas I don't get a real experience of the Maori racism in this country because it's been taken away by the razzle-dazzle of the fame, right? People don't see the colour as much. They do still, but they don't see it as much. And, and you know, I was working with a girl, her her partner's Maori, their baby, um, you know, they tossed and turned in the cot. She hit her head really hard on the cot. They went to the hospital. Mm. They looked at her husband. Mm. They called docs. 
they were in the room. She she a hundred percent thinks it was because of him. If it was just her, she's white. If it was just her there, it wouldn't have been the same situation. But she had this experience and I was like, do you know what? It's wild because I don't think I'll get that experience, even though we have exactly the same partners. Yep. Because of that fame, another privilege I now walk alongside is I don't get that, you know? And that is... It is what it is. I mean, I don't know how to break it down, but it's a very different experience. And if my little girl grows up and she's dark, mm. she is going to have it. And people don't know who her dad is. She's going to have a different experience, you know, as well. So I, I want to say to you, because I can see her rolling around in her cot right now, because <laughs> I am working under COVID restrictions. How do we become a better ally? Because it's great being informed right? It's great having conversations with Uncle John and the racists and pulling up shit when it happens. There's even power. I think we're learning now that the government really has no idea what's going on, you know. How, because, you know, a lot of it is in the systems, the societies and the structures and the government and the systems, and you're talking about, you know, the the ways that the doctors are kind of educated and the police are educated. So I don't even know if it comes down to who we vote for anymore. Like I don't actually know how do we dismantle it. I get that. I think for me, I love that you've recognised the complexities because what I initially was discussing was that systematic racism and I feel like a lot of Australians use that as an excuse so they don't have to participate. Those doctors were children. The lawyers were children, the police officers were children, the teachers were children, the guy at the server was children, the worker at the coals was a a child. And they were allowed to foster these racist beliefs or maybe throughout their adolescence they heard someone made a comment and rather than their older brother or their mother pulling them up and saying, don't speak like that, the mum laughed. Or the brother was the one who had that influence. Or they just were silent, right? Or they're just silent. That's a big word, that big S word. That is what is happening in our country is normalisation of racial degradation. And who is on the forefront of that? Indigenous people. Can we be radical? How can we really shake shit up? I just think it's attitudes and beliefs, Zoe. You have to um, dismantle this on the ground and in the community, and that's the people you work with. That's your parents. That's your friendship groups. That's the mums and bubs group. If you hear these discussions or these attitudes and most likely these types of jokes, it's our your responsibility as an Australian to pull people up. Or even if you're not comfortable to do that, I've yarned to a lot of my own followers that don't feel confident to say to their uncle or, you know, their their grandfather, I'm not standing for this. Remove yourself from that. Remove yourself from that open and public degradation because that's going to call for change in this country. Sometimes the biggest actions are done in silence. And I'd like to say a lot of that can be done in regards to racism. Also, the other thing is engage with Indigenous people. Don't let us continue to be marginalised. If you're mm. if you're learning from us online, but more importantly, whose land are you on? What's their mm. what's the tribe's name? Do they have a community centre? Do they have a pr- a preschool or a, a play group? Is there an elders group in your community that you can volunteer at? Practical steps to invest and get to know Indigenous people from where you're from. 
You're such a beautiful woman. I appreciate you coming on to be our voice because it's exhausting for you. I know you do a lot of work in the community and it is tiresome, but we appreciate you. I mean, I do want to answer our final question that we ask everyone because you're not exempt is (laughs) AJ now in 2022, who are you when no one's watching? I'm still and I'm calm and I'm silent and I'm present. Yes, she is. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zoe. And again, anyone tuning into this, um, what Zoe's done, uh, regardless of what last year, we had some backlash. Um, you know, the bravery that you show and the commitment that you show to the uh, Indigenous people of this land, it, it's an honour to contribute to this. And you rattled off a long list of Indigenous people that you've interviewed or even yarned to. And that's a testament, you know, to your character and committed, uh, how committed you are to this um, and your form of allyship. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.